Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to episode 350 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, May 22nd, and I am joined, as often, by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. How are you on this fine Sunday evening? I, I am doing okay, which is a pretty apt sort of way to be, considering how this week went. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. I'm, I'm hanging in there. We're getting close to Memorial Day, which is, of course, the unofficial time where you can start checking the standings, although we've kind of been doing that already on the show. And uh, as I sort of noticed when I was preparing the podcast today, the Braves have now completed a quarter of their season. Uh, obviously, it's not exactly a quarter. That would be uh, 60 and a half games, but they've played, uh, sorry, 40 and a half games, but they've played 41 games. So they're, they're now past the first quarter of the campaign. And I think no one uh, would be thrilled with the way it's going. They are of course, 19 and 22 right now. They are on a 75 win pace, which is not what anyone drew up for this season, particularly coming off the world series and the high expectations as they were. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit more later on, of course, but they are eight games behind the New York Mets and uh, granted it's the Mets. So anything is possible there. But still, uh, you, when, you, when you play a quarter of your schedule and you are uh, in an eight-game hole, uh, that's kind of ominous. And speaking to what you just sort of alluded to, uh, a three-and-three three week this week is not a disaster by any means. Sometimes you have to win three out of six games, and it's kind of a natural thing in baseball. But to lose all three games by exactly one run, and in uh, at least two of the three kind of maddening fashion, uh, it was one of those weeks that kind of feel like they've all run together this season. Not, not a whole lot to be excited about. Yeah, it's just frustrating because on the one hand, you have this team that like in some ways can't seem to get out of its own way, um, has certainly been unlucky in a lot of ways, uh, and it seems like it always lines up where if they can get unlucky, they get punished in the worst possible way, and when they really need to get lucky, then they just can't, and you know, when they get, they've, they've gotten good pitching and not been able to get anything done, and then finally when the offense shows up, you know, they give up three leads in the same game and I'm losing an extra inning. So it's a, a frustrating situation to be in for sure. And it's particularly frustrating, not only because the Mets have been performing well, uh, I still expect that that team has been a bit lucky offensively. And with both, you know, DeGrom and now Scherzer on the shelf, like I expect them to come back to earth a little bit, but you know, they're playing much better than they had been previously. And more importantly, you know, it, they it, even if they're only a little bit better than Braves the rest of the way, or you know, they, they end up winning the division. A wild card spot is far from a certainty right now because of the way teams like you know the Padres and others are playing and the records they've put together. That it's going to be it's not going to be easy to get one of those wild card spots. So any deficit that you're in right now, it's not like you're in a division playing reasonably well against a team that's just playing like the month and a half of their lives. Right. It's like you're not playing well either again, you know, versus the rest of the league. And that means that uh, right now the Braves are not playing like a a playoff team and they're not getting lucky enough to kind of keep the, to keep themselves in that conversation right now. I mean, I think there are three or four games back of a wild card spot and that's pretty rough a quarter of the way in. Yeah. And if you want to be optimistic, which we're not, not always, at least I'm not always, um, you could say the Braves are eight and seven in their last 15 games. So they've been a little bit better. They've been more like uh, a team that's uh, sort of playoff caliber in the last, you know, half decidedly medium. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's better than it was early, but still nothing exciting. And yeah, as, as of this moment, exactly, they are three and a half games out of the second wild card spot. Um, 
again, not where you want to be. And also that's, I believe they're behind five teams for that. Granted, they're all kind of tight together, but they've been outscored. It's not like they've been uh, super unlucky in run, run differential. They have a negative differential for the season. And as uh, I plan on talking about this a little bit at the end of the podcast, uh, the offense has been uh, not what you want this year, Eric. Uh, and we'll come back nope, to that in specifics, all. but that, that is the uh, real glaring thing for me right now is that uh, the pitching has been uh, on the whole totally fine or better. Uh, it's that this offense, which was supposed to be loaded top, you know, two or three team in the national league in terms of quality uh, has been decidedly worse than that so far through it's only, it's, you know, it's only quote unquote four to one games, but even individual for individual, uh, there really isn't a whole lot to be excited about. Even the guys who have been better than average this year, like your Matt Olson's and your Austin Riley's have probably been worse than expected for those players. Uh, and that's when you have to get into it. Basically the only guys on the roster that are full-time players that have performed at or above their baseline so far is Ronald Acuna in a small sample size, but it's Ronald Acuna who's an absolute monster and Travis Darno, And that's kind of it. I mean, you could throw in guys like, Bill Contreras in a small role. I was, I was about to say I won't have Bill Contreras. Well, that's why I said full. That's why I said full time. Like he's not really half full time plate appearances. He's obviously playing out of his mind right now. But the guys who have been in there every day for the most part of the season, uh, even the guys who are performing, you know, adequately, are kind of below their normal baseline. So that kind of explains it, player for player, which we'll get into later. But I always want to acknowledge that at the top of the podcast. Look, like nobody's thrilled, and it was another three and three week, and we'll dive into it now in terms of what actually transpired. Um, Briefly, there really wasn't a lot of news at all this week. The only bit of actual news that was baseball related was Tyler Matzik going to the IL, and that happened on Monday, six days ago. Um, you know, obviously he had not pitched well this year. Uh, the hope would be that he gets right in the near future, but uh, that is, that is a loss, but also not terribly unexpected because I, I kind of thought he might be hurt on some level because the way he was pitching. Do you have any reaction beyond that other than just like let's hope he gets back and gets right? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm never gonna slander Matzik. you know i don't care if he has a 12 era ever <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh it, it was kind of an interesting way the Braves were handling him they just they kept trying to find ways to put him in positions to be successful where they were relatively safe you know where they're up for a few runs and just no matter what position he was in he just wasn't getting guys out his velo was down you know fairly significantly over last year clearly was just getting squared up and guys were getting good looks at him it just it, it wasn't good and it was interesting, the reporting coming out that what he thought is that his shoulders started giving him some issues because he had altered his mechanics because he came into camp with a sore back. Now, I don't know, like, you know, again, what's the cause of the sore back? You know, what ultimately led to the shoulder inflammation? It seems like all the scans came back fine. It's just kind of one of those situations where you kind of put yourself in a bad situation you know, to try to solve another bad situation. It's like, you know, when you hurt your ankle, sometimes you end up doing damage elsewhere because you're trying to compensate for how you're walking or running or whatever in any sport, right? So I'm hopeful that he gets the rest that he needs and that that rest is consequential. You always worry about relievers uh, because, yep. at you know, at their core, they are a volatile and combustible crop that's just what they are you know is that that there's a reason why these guys aren't starting right it's you know they're high effort throwing as hard as they can trying to do everything they can to you know put spin on their their breaking pitches and they're not meant they're they're glass cannons and sometimes those glass cannons you know sometimes their arms go out uh all you really need to do to see that is to watch the ghost of Derek no day pitch these days when he's throwing 84 85 you know with you know some off-speed stuff that's barely slower than that. It's just, you know, father time's undefeated. And even though guys like O'Day can last that long, a lot of these guys don't. And especially when you think about the the workload that Matzik was under last year, you wonder, you know, if we'll ever see that version of Matzik again. You just, you never know with relievers, but I'm hopeful that just because of all the scans coming back the way they did and everything seemed fine, that, you know, he's just giving him some rest and getting him back to working on his mechanics that, back to maybe back to where they were, especially if his back's okay again, that he'll be okay because it's, it turns out this bullpen really could use him because there's some pretty speculative pieces in there right now. Yeah. We're going to come back to that as well, because uh, this kind of blew by me even until we got a mailbag question that we'll answer at the end of the podcast, but uh, the brief have to make a decision at the end of this month on chopping their pitching staff down because basically Long story short, there was the the rule in place that they had to cut down to 13 pitchers, and they ended up pushing that back, but it's not pushed back to May 30th. So basically by the end of next weekend, 
they can only have 13 pitchers on the roster and they've been carrying 14. So they have to kind of make a little bit of a tweak there, whether it's to go with Strider as a starter or something like that, but they're going to have to make a decision and uh, without Matzik and uh, we'll get into all of uh, what transpires there. Um, sp- speaking though, of uh, kind of the sequence of events that happened when they put Matzik um, on the IL. So Monday's game, it was a long time ago now, but it was an offensive loss. Obviously it lost one, nothing to the Brewers had two hits and one walk with 16 strikeouts, uh, about as ugly as it That's possibly could be there. Um, I guess small caveat that Ronald Acuna was still out of the lineup, but still the rest of the lineup was uh, not effective. Um, no, no help at all for Anderson in that game. But they used Strider out of the bullpen on Monday in a pretty bizarre, like, stated sequence by Snicker in the front office and whoever makes this decision. Basically, after the game, Snick came on and said that they were playing to start Strider on Tuesday – until they had to put Matzik on the IL, which I don't really know about the logical consistency of that because, you know, they they knew before the game uh, they had some – I know they were maybe down an arm or whatever, but I don't – I still don't under, really understand the thought process there. Obviously, they, they ended up calling out Tucker Davidson to start on Tuesday, which was fine. And by the way, he pitched pretty well, at least reasonably well. They, they got the win on Tuesday. But what did you make of all that? Because it just didn't sound like there was much of a plan. And when they were warming up Strider, we all kind of had this collective, like, you know, shaking of the head, basically. Like, what is going on here? I, I thought at minimum they were going to use Strider at, along with an opener on Tuesday. But it seemed like they were going to actually start him, and then they didn't. And I, I still don't really know why, to be honest. <laughs> Here's what tells me about this decision, Brad. How many times have we been on this podcast? We're in a 1-0 game. We were railing against Snitker for using, like, Grant Dayton, who had been pitching back-to-back-to-back appearances in a close game because they were losing. And then on the time where they really need to say, you know what, let's keep Strider out of the mix. Maybe we do need to go to one of these lesser arms because our other guys are worn down. Maybe we need to use a Jesse Chavez or Jackson Stevens, who's been great, by the way, or, you know, Tyler Thornburg, who hasn't pitched in two weeks or whatever. We need to do that because we have to have Strider for bulk innings tomorrow. And the one time where that he goes, you know what? This game is close. I need to use our higher leverage arm. This was the day of all days that he decided to do it. It tilted me so incredibly badly. Uh, but look, I, it was clear that they just had a number of arms in their bullpen that, you know, either a snicker decided the coaching staff, the front office, I don't know who makes the, made that decision, but the, the idea was we are not going to those guys on Monday. They just weren't going to do it no matter what. <laughs> and that they were just going to have only X guys available. Now, why that decision was made that there's information that we just don't have. We just don't, we don't know how guys are feeling. Obviously Matzik was hurt. And I understand that part, right? Like you're not going to run Matzik out there. I don't think that the team was confused that Matzik wasn't feeling well, right? Yeah. I don't, I I think this was not something they discovered on Monday morning. And, you know, if Matzik came in and said, Hey, I'm feeling particularly sore today. I agree with that. But I think that this is something that wasn't just a a, a snap decision that they made on Monday. I think that they're like, you know, we might, Hey, let's see how you're feeling tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. And then have a plan in place. Now, if right. your plan is to use Strider on Monday and to call up Tucker Davidson and like you feel really good about the decision, I guess I can respect that. And it did work out that way, but we have no reason to believe that's what happened. None. No, especially when, I mean, here's the, this is one of those nuances. It doesn't really matter that much, but he doesn't have to come out and say that they were going to start Strider on Tuesday after the game. Like he could have just not acknowledged that at all. You know what I mean? Like he could, all he had to say yep. was we were always going to, we were always going to call out Tucker Davidson to start tomorrow. Like why throw it out there that you're going to start a starter on Tuesday? Again, it's, yes. just, it's a small thing. Say, like it's just so weird. <laughs> or you, and you can literally just say, look, Tucker's look good at, at yeah, it's fine. we I mean, like the, we like the matchup against some of the lefties in the Brewers lineup, which by the way, makes a certain amount of sense because Yelich and Telez are still sitting there. But instead you're like, yeah, we were going to do it, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's just such a weird thing. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I, I, it tilted me. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. But I thought it was just a notable, notable thing that was kind of uh, strange. Uh, they get the win on Tuesday, as I mentioned before, behind Tucker, who was pretty decent. Um, the night shift was lights out in that game, four shot innings yes. from the bullpen. 
Um, Ronnie came back, which was, of course, a good thing. Reached base three times. And then the big swing of the, of the game was a Marcelo Zuna home run, who had a great week. Actually, he was one of the only guys that did anything this week. Um, I mean, I don't really have much to add. Uh, did you see anything from Tucker that you thought was notable? Because clearly they have to make another decision about the rest of the fifth starter uh, occupancy moving forward. Did he do enough to earn another start for you if you're, if you're making the decision? I mean, maybe one other start, just if, especially if you keep using Strider the day before you would use him. I mean, that would make a certain amount of sense to keep him around for one more start and maybe keep him around for one more start to, you know, just eat some innings before you, the rosters contract makes a certain amount of sense too. But I mean, no one else on this roster has earned that fifth rotation spot more than Spencer Strider has. You won't convince me. You can't convince me of that. Otherwise no. he certainly has had times where he's, you know, looked a little rough, but I mean, there's also been some times where like, you know, a lot of guys have like looked like that the the ball that they're holding is clearly not doing what they thought it was going to do, and that seems like because they're using a different ball every single day of the week, right? So I'm not necessarily going to hold one-off relief appearances that don't go particularly well for him when most of the time what he does is he throws two or three innings and he strikes out like six guys and completely dominates them. I I, I really like what he could do in that, that, that starter role over a guy like Tucker in Tucker's case, you know, like his command is always iffy, particularly with his fastball um, that he had, if he really commands that pitch well, and he gets the, you know, the, the, the run that he can get on it, then he can start missing some bats. But I mean, he only struck out three guys over five innings and that's the kind of guy we've been seeing more often than not in Gwinnett is he'll strike out a few guys, but he's not really fooling all that many. He'll, he'll walk about as many as he strikes out and he doesn't really get squared up a whole lot, but he has enough base runners on that. He gives up runs. I liked what he did on Tuesday, you know, more power to him. I, I wouldn't be like outraged if he got another start with Atlanta because, you know, having a lefty who can, you know, throw as hard as he can, like that has real value to it, but he's not a guy that I'm going to put in the rotation and, you know, relegate Spencer Strider to the bullpen unless they have some real problems going on that bullpen. And they very well could. Cause I mean, again, we're seeing guys like Jesse Chavez, Darren O'Day, and, you know, having to hope that those two guys hold up. And then Jackson Stevens, you know, has been a godsend for a bullpen that honestly was supposed to be a strength of this team and now looks kind of vulnerable. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Maybe that's, maybe that's playing into why they're not starting Strider. Maybe that's maybe that really is the reason they're not going to say that. Um, you know, I've been saying it in the last few podcasts. I, I would start him. I, I'm not in a blind rage either about him not starting. I think it's okay to give yeah. Tucker another chance. By the way, they've I'm not sure if it's announced, but it's certainly he's the probable starter for Monday. So I'm assuming he's going to pitch on Monday. That is Davidson. So we'll see if he what he looks like on Monday. But um, that's the plan right now. Started his helpful bullpen, no question. But uh, I will be looking long-term and starting him eventually, and we'll get into that if we need to. I want, I want to talk to you a little bit about Ronald Acuna Jr., though. This guy, had, this guy had knee surgery, and he's running – more than anyone in the league, and it's not even close. This, uh, this is, this is wild, he's, right? He's also, he's also. I mean, I, I know we're kind of just, um, I don't know, we're kind of just used to it. But Ronald Acuna didn't hit against major league pitching for you know almost a calendar year, and then he comes back and in seventy plate appearances has a has a one fifty seven WRC plus, which is already really impressive. Like he's walking. At a you know a ridiculous rate, the power is there, and then you throw in like you just said the stolen bases. I mean, he has eight stolen bases in seventy plate appearances. Yeah, like, I I think he's on like a ninety six stolen base over a one sixty two game series season average. For I mean, ju- just for comparison's sake, obviously he's run his entire career, but last year he stole I almost said only, but only seventeen stolen bases in eighty two games. This year he has eight in 15 games. So he's on, yeah, he's on pace for like something in the seventies. I would imagine that's not going to actually happen. I would certainly take the under on anything approaching 60 even, but still like he is running yeah, wild. like a crazy person. Um, and yeah, the hitting. And I mean, I feel like we can do the podcast every week on Ronald Acuna, but it is kind of absurd. I got, I got a text this week from somebody that I think pays close attention. It was like, I think it's kind of under discussed how ridiculous it is for him to be out as long as he is. And then as soon as he comes back, I mean, he had like the what, like a two game hiccup when he kind of looked like he was rusty. And then it was like, okay, now he's Ronald Acuna again. <laughs> it's just kind and, of, and I'm, pre- and I'm pretty sure he stole bases in both those. He games. did. He did. Yeah. yeah. Like, like it's, it's wild. And like, it's not just a stolen bases. It's like scoring from first on shallow flares to left field. 
you know, like yeah, stuff that like like normal healthy people can't do. And he's just now coming back, and he's like, I've got this, guys. He's like, a, he's a one man offense, and like it, it showed this week that the offense looks markedly different with what he does on the because if he's if he's at the top of the lineup, you have to respect him, and when he's on base, he causes havoc. Oh yeah, he puts everybody else in in place as well. You know, obviously we can we we can praise him all day long, but uh, it is night and day just in everything. You know, defense in the outfield when he's able to play out there too, he helps that. It's it's everything. He's a he's an absolute generational monster, and we know that. But it's uh, good to kind of recognize it every once in a while. Uh, last thing before we get to a break uh, is Wednesday's very maddening loss. Um, <sighs> We'll come back to this later, but Austin Riley's had a really rough stretch for like three weeks now, but he had, he had, he had a pretty incredible plate appearance on Wednesday. Uh, he was in an 0-2 hole against Corbin Burns, who, by the way, is the reigning Cy Young winner, and ended that at bat in a three-run home run to give the Braves a 4 nothing lead early yeah, in this game. It was on a full count. It ended up being on a full count, right? Yeah, he, he was down 0-2 all the, way, all the way back to a full count, bombs off Corbin Burns, just a, a wild plate appearance. Um, also worth noting on a positive, Dansby was incredible in that game defensively. I think he made like five plays that were like ludicrous in one game. Just yep. obviously he's been that way all year long. And I think even still today, he is leading all of baseball and like outs above average. And all those, I mean, he's, he's earning it too. Right now he'd be like the, probably the, the platinum glove winner at shortstop. That's how good he's been this year. But that was a wild one. I mean, you don't, you don't often see an individual showcase on defense like that. And he was just kind of everywhere on Wednesday. Um, but I say all that. He's, he's been better at the plate too. Oh yeah, he's back. He's back up to like a like a league average hitter. Which if, if that's all he is with a, with elite defense, you're talking about uh, you know a fringe star kind of player. Um, obviously, you can't assume that, but he's playing like one right now. <laughs> Clearly, though, we're bearing the lead. The, the Braves blew the lead in this game three different times. Uh, per Jason Stark, uh, well well renowned writer that he is, um, the Braves blew the lead in the ninth, tenth, and eleventh innings, uh, and they lost, of course, blowing the lead three times. Uh, that only happened one other time in the last two decades in Major League Baseball. So that's a pretty rare occurrence. Uh, there are a lot of baseball games, Eric. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. There's a lot of games every year. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of games happen, yeah. Uh, yeah, so to lead entering the bottom of the ninth, 10th, and 11th and still lose uh, is not something you say every day. Uh, it was the first blown slave of the season for Kenley Jansen. He's allowed one. I mean, it's not like a mess yeah, of a deal. Yeah, uh, and, he had, and he's pitched a lot. He, been, he really and, has. And he, and he, and he, he was great before that. So I'm not really worried about that. And the Chavez gives give up a walk-off in the 11th. It's going to happen sometimes. I'm not like – just the individual pieces of the loss are not – you know, you won't pull your hair out too much. But uh, just the way it happened, the way it unfolded, like they just kept taking control and kept giving it back. And even the original lead of 4-0 is one you just can't afford to blow very often. So that kind of left a sour taste in everyone's mouth going into the off day on Thursday. Um, the weekend was better, which we'll get to. But uh, did you have anything else to add about Wednesday's uh, mania? It's against Milwaukee. I mean, I mean, other than the fact that I'm tired. I mean, I I was doing my best to understand the keeping the ghost runner, zombie runner, whatever you want to call them, on second and extra innings. But I don't know what it, the Braves are just uniquely bad <laughs> at, <laughs> at, at, in extra innings, and it's only made that worse. Giving the other team a a, a runner in scoring position. Because like it seems like that is automatic that that runner scores against the Braves, and it seems almost automatic the Braves have no shot of moving them over other than the third base. And like it, it, you know, for a Braves fan, that's frustrating. And at the end of the day, just the the the, the spare runner, I understand why it exists, and it's largely been true that we don't see those, you know, sixteen, seventeen inning games that like absolutely decimate bullpens. And I don't want to understate overstate that those long games as cool as they are you can talk about wow they had this like 16 inning slugfest that ruins teams for like a week when those happen because like all of a sudden yeah like position players pitching and you know bullpen guys throwing extra innings and stuff like that you know guys who are used to going one they go two and like they can that can really mess up teams i don't want to like that's a real thing but the 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 manford ball feels bad it just does. And do you do you have a guess while we're here on the Braves record in extra innings the last two seasons? I was like I two and like two and fourteen. It is better than that. Uh, they are zero and three this year, and they were five and nine last year. So they're five and twelve. Uh, well, I was not far off. <laughs> it, uh, but in five and twelve, I mean, 
again, this is this is a team, granted, as much as we've pointed this out a lot, the Braves were not as good last year in the regular season as people remember them being. They just weren't that good in the regular season. But still, that was a winning baseball team, and they went five and nine last year at extra innings. And this year they're 0-3. So like they have, if nothing else, they have over they have underperformed their true talent level in those situations for two seasons. And it's not a huge sample, but those games can be maddening. They stick in your head because they're obviously close, memorable games. And um, basically, they were the worst team last year in extra innings of any good team. Uh, the only other team that was in their category was the Dodgers, actually. Was, they were actually quite bad extra innings last year, which is hilarious. Um, but, That's you know, weird, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the Brewers were 10 and 8, Carls were 7 and 2, the Giants were 9 and 9, which is kind of what you expect. But uh, yeah, the, the Braves just cannot seem to win extra inning games for whatever reason. And uh, that hurts when you are not winning other games like they are not <laughs> this season so far. So uh, a maddening end to that. And like, you know, overall, to lose that game on Wednesday in extras, leading three times, and also to lose on Monday against the Brewers when you give up one run. Like that combination in the series is enough to have you pull your hair out, but it happened. Okay, Eric, we'll get into the weekend, weekend series against the Marlins momentarily and also look ahead to some uh, some player observations that are more big picture, some Bill Contreras talk later in the podcast that I'm sure you're excited about. And, yes. then, uh, and of course, much more than that. But first, a word from our sponsors in the podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Eric, um, quickly, the Marlins series was better for the Braves. In fact, it was their first road series victory of the season, which they clinched by winning on Friday and Saturday. Um, A couple of pretty decent pitching performances from Charlie Morton and Kyle Wright. No surprises there. Um, And then home runs were the story of the two wins on Friday. They hit three home runs. That basically was all the scoring almost. Uh, Ozuna, by the way, had a stretch of four homers in six games, which he definitely needed. And then Saturday was the Bill Contreras game. Uh, Bill Contreras hits two home runs. At that point, he had six home runs in his first 37 plate appearances of the season. And he was slugging 8-13 for the campaign. Uh, I believe even as of today, but certainly as of yesterday, he was tied for the major league lead for home runs by a catcher, uh, which is hilarious because he's only played like, what, not, not even 10 games, 12 games, something like that. Yeah, it's he's, still, yeah. he's still slugging 7-88 for the season. Uh, of course, that that produced hot takes that produced all kinds of like he has to DH every single day and all all, all this talk. But uh, before we get to that, let's just take a second. Uh, Bill Contreras, having fun, I guess. Yeah, and the Braves are going to have some interesting decisions to make once Manny Pena comes back. Uh, I guess I guess he's out for the season now, right? He, he, he is out surgery. for the season. We talked okay, about this a little yeah, bit last so, week. Me yeah. and Scott, me and Scott last week, I talked talk about this. Actually, even even for next year, it's a pretty interesting thing because he's under contract, and so is TDA, and so is TDA. So like they're all under contract for next year, and I I have to imagine that one of them is not going to be empty a year from now. We'll see. Yeah, that that, that seems that seems correct, and you know, obviously, I, I kind of do wish that they could fit Contreras into the lineup a little bit more. I've been on record as saying that. 
you know, I don't believe that there's any world that when there's only two catchers on the roster. I mean, he, he did do it, as we discussed. He did do it a couple, a couple times. Snicker did it a couple times. He did it. I, I remain skeptical of that holds, man. Like his no, track I, record I, I'm, is so I'm with you. I'm bad. with you. I'm with you on this 100%. I just want to say. So many people tweeted at me too. They're like, you, no, you, we you didn't think he'd do it. We just talked hysterical. about it. It was, it was very yeah. funny. But no, to your point, uh, it's so funny now to hear the people. There's always the people that say you can't do it. And they're that's the side the stickers on. And it's those are the same people that are tweeting right now. Yes. Right? And uh, part of that is just like the, uh, well, what happens if, uh, if Darno gets hurt? It's like, well, in that in that extremely unlikely event, you have one game that you lose the DH. One game where you have to put Contreras at, at catcher, and then you have to pinch hit a couple times. That's all that happens in that game. That is the only downside. It's one game. You have to do that to replace him. Uh, that's not real downside. And by the way, Snicker literally did it this year. So if there was that much risk, if you were just so terrified of it, he did it multiple times. Like this month. <laughs> and, and and by the way, in that worst case scenario, the guy that's pinch hitting is the guy that you would want in the lineup, likely, if they were refusing to put the backup catcher yeah. in the lineup to begin with. I like, mean you're gonna you're gonna get your Orlando Garcia pinch hit here's, at that. Here's the thing. Okay, so there there is an argument for me, there's a pretty easy argument. If you don't want to have Contreras and or Darno DHing on a regular basis, the easy argument against it is that Ozuna has to play the field when you do that. That is, for me, the argument against it. Um, there is no offensive argument against it in my mind. It's that you have to worry about Ozuna playing the field. As we'll get to in a second, Travis Demerit, yeah. uh, the Cinderella slipper, has come off after his uh, red-hot start. I believe he is now 28 plate appearances in a row without, without reaching base or getting a hit or something like that. His, he is now crashed to earth in a big way. And that covered it up a little bit, and I get that. But the problem is, if you, if you DH one of those guys – that leaves Mr. Ozuna in left field, and you don't want that. Ha- you don't want that happening. Yeah, so, and you and, and you do have to kind of have Ozuna in the lineup right now because he's actually figured out. How he's to actually hitting, and obviously, when Ronnie comes back and is playing outfield exclusively or close to it, it's nice to have him there um, and not have to worry about him DHing. But right now, he's also DHing sometimes and all that stuff as well. So I, I get it, and for me, I certainly think there is room for uh, either Darno or Contreras DHing on a fairly regular basis, but it can't, for me, it's not an everyday thing. There's right now there's the two sides and it's like every day or not at all. I am in the middle predictably on that. Uh, I think there are certain scenarios where you have to kind of just grin and bear it and put Ozuna in left and just deal with it. But also you don't want Ozuna playing left field every day. You just don't, he's terrible. We all know this, but he's, he's, He's truly terrible out there. So yeah, like he cost, he cost the Braves the runner today for sure. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, I get it. But for me, if you just have any, I mean, also it would really help if they had another outfielder clearly. Um, I, I know Demerit did the job very well for about two weeks and now he's just come back to earth. But if they had Rosario, if they had another guy they could put out there, it'd be a lot easier. Um, so maybe that's part of the issue now too, but it is a nuanced conversation. But one thing that I think we agree on Eric is that um, it does not hold water for us to say, we can't do it because they, uh, because of the risk there, the risk is not real. It's not a real thing in my mind. So, yeah, it's a, it, it does come down to a bit of a defensive, like it, the, the Braves have some weird lineup constraints right now. Uh, especially in situations where they have to DH Ronnie because that, 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 it, but yeah, that, that's what it becomes. Awful things real, now now real you real have real to real play. Stuff. Yeah. If you have to DH Ronnie, you, you have to play, first of all, you can't play both catchers. Uh, you have to play Ozuna in, in a corner and then you have to play Demerit or Heredia or God forbid, Arcia, whatever you want to do there. But uh, no matter what you're playing, a you're playing a, a big negative in some form in one of your corner outfield spots. You have a bad defender in the other corner outfield spot. And then you're also having uh, probably Contreras on your bench. So it's like, it's a weird situation. This is not, and you know, when, when Rosario comes back, the hope would be he can hit again, but his field, his defense is not going to be good, you would imagine. So there are some questions in the outfield, let's just say. But all that said, I am excited about, about, about Bill Contreras. I know you watched him a ton as a minor leaguer. Um, obviously, he's going to cool off from this, but I, I think he's always had a, the rep of a guy who's going to hit at the big league level. Are you surprised by any of this? Not, not, not necessarily just the volume of it, but is he, you know, a guy that we can bank on? I mean, there's this, uh, I can't remember who said it now, a national person was like, well, you know, even if you don't believe in his hit tool, the power is so much where like he might become Mike Zanino and be like a 35 home run guy that hits, you know, 220. And that's a really good player catcher, like regardless. 
I think that Contreras has raw power. Zunino's a, a lofty conspiracy because, and he's kind of an extreme example. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he hits like two hundred. Yes, he he's like two hundred, but when he hits one, it goes four hundred and fifty feet. I mean, like yes. Contreras is a better hitter than he is, and the two home runs that he hit on Saturday are actually the best example because both of those were opposite field, just over the wall. He wasn't like up there hacking, taking the hitting tanks, right? But no. he's very very strong. But I will say the one thing about Contreras, right? What's the one thing last year that everyone complained about Contreras and that he like he was a bust and that he won't be this catcher of the future? What was the reason? It was defense, right? Of course. What have what have you heard one thing since he's been up about his defensive ability or his pitch call or his game calling since he's been up? Well, Eric, you know the secret here is that if a guy hits, no one cares. Well, he's still been good. He's been good behind the. No, I know. Like- I'm <laughs> saying it's it's a combination of those two things. Like I'm not gonna tell you I, I have a full grasp on Contreras' defense after what ten games this year, but I will tell you this: unless it's like comically visually awful for a f- regular fan, if he hits, no one cares. I promise you. That. Well, uh, well, I will say this. There were games where Contreras hit home runs in last year, and they were still talking about how national, well, not national, very prominent beat writers. If you have obvious obvious things, yeah, if you have obvious things like pass balls, that's the one thing really that gets you. Like, what you you remember this very well when Tyler Flowers lost the fan base is because he had all the pass balls. That's the stuff that fans actually notice. Framing, most fans don't notice that. Um, Even like, you know, throwing out runners people knew, people knew that that darno was bad at until this year but like yeah, it until, wasn't until like, like found the fountain of youth or something but, yeah. but it wasn't like an everyday talking point we kind of knew about it people that were diehards knew but it really other than pass balls you i mean that's really the thing that gets you noticed in terms of your catcher defense to most people and as long as he's catching the ball like i don't think anybody's going to care if he hits it's just one of those things like eh. I don't know. You you know him well better than I do about his defense. I, I never panicked about it. You know, obviously we'd always hear that uh, he was not the better of the, of the catching prospects among the defensive guys. But of course, well, that's, Shea that's is not uh, fair. Shea is not that, here anymore anyway. So no, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm tra- put put yourself in the. I know Eric, you're an expert on prospects. I'm trying to take the position of uh, casual minor league observer, and I think the scouting report, broadly speaking, for casual people was Langoliers is a defensive guy. And Kacharis is the offensive guy. And that's kind of the, it's kind of what that kind of sticks to you in terms of what you're, what you're expected of. And that, you know, might still be sticking, but if you look at the numbers and what you just brought up, no one seems to care this year. So maybe it's a small sample size. Maybe he's just better. Um, did you ever have concerns about him being just terrible behind the plate? I'm asking you as a prospect person. Early on, no. Uh, the The issue that was, that happened was everyone got converted to the one knee in the dirt catching. And that's, not an easy transition. I mean, Shea didn't even look particularly great when he was first starting to make that transition, right? Like, it's it's a hard thing to do to, like, by the way, you know that catching stance if you used your entire career? <laughs> yeah, we need you to change into something no else now. Yeah. You know, and and, and by the way, that, cat, that, that stance is significantly harder to block balls, right? Like, it's objectively, it is just harder. Uh, it's much better for framing, but it's objectively harder to block balls, prevent pass balls, especially if you're not familiar with it. And by the way, Travis Darno's hurt, so we need you to do it in the major leagues now. That's what happened to William Contreras, and that's what everyone lost their minds about last year. And now he's just gotten more practice that he's worked hard at. And I'm not saying he's not going to be like you know Pudge Rodriguez back there or anything like <laughs> that, but you know that's that that that's not fair. And Shea Legulier's is still the better defensive catching prospect, but that's sure. because he's objectively a really good, like one of the better defensive catching prospects we've seen in a long time. But we, we would, he almost put up a defensive highlight at catcher when he almost picked off a guy at first, except for the fact that Matt Olson forgot how to catch a baseball. You know, the other day, he's still, he's, he's able yeah. to control a running game. He does, he does well. So, like, again, I, I, it's just something to kind of point out the fact that a lot of the people who are like, you know, like, well, Contreras can't be back there. He might be able to hit a little bit, but he's, you know, he's a terrible catcher, blah, blah, blah. I don't hear about those people anymore. No, it's, it's, and, been pretty and it's because he, it's, be, and it's, I mean, again, I'm not, He'll have his hiccups because every catcher does. Uh, at the end of the day, they're trying to catch a ball that's spinning 27, 2800 RPMs and going 98 miles an hour. Sometimes things go awry when you're doing that over and over again. But at the same time, I think he's a good catcher. And and if he's going to keep hitting home runs like this, I don't really care what position he plays. Yep. I uh, think we're on the same page. Uh, I think that you know he is certainly at the moment, both Darno and Contreras are two of their best nine hitters. 
And uh, the problem comes down to versatility with Ozuna and uh, we don't care about them uh, playing together. They should play together if they need to play together. And that's not concerned for us really at all. So we'll leave, we'll leave your, it there. Your boy, your, your boy Morton's looking a little bit better lately. He's, uh, he, Charlie, has, worried for a while. Charlie is showing some signs. We like to see it from uh, from Mr. Morton, the only player that is older than I am. That's not true. Uh, so is Chavez. Just Chavez and Darren O'Day are also older than I am as well. But um, yeah, not to go down the rabbit hole again with, with Morton, but I think he, number one, right bounced back in good fashion after his one hiccup start. But yeah, last three starts for Morton, he was just okay in his start on Friday, but his last three starts, 2.2 ERA, um, 19 Ks in 16 innings. Love to see that. The, 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 the missing bats. And to be fair, he made one mistake to Jorge Soler. And that's Which like the worst Soler. guy. Though. Yeah. yeah it's the, that guy is going to put a ball in orbit if you make a mistake to him. That's just a, that's just what's going to happen. He does that sometimes. Yes. No, that was good to see. Um, other than that, I mean, we can talk about today's game if we want to, but um, it was a four, of course, the four, three loss. They, they had a chance to sweep. They were not able to do so. Uh, I had a little bit of a hiccup with how long they left Ian in the game. I don't know why he started the seventh inning today. Uh, maybe that's a little bit of Monday morning quarterback quarterbacking. I'll own that, but I didn't love that. They did threat. They did threaten to come back. They scored two runs in the ninth, um, but uh, it was uh, not just, I guess too little too late was way way you would say that. Um, I just was confused a little bit why they went back to Ian in the seventh. Uh, I'm not sure that was like the reason why they lost the game. I think, I don't think you can necessarily do the, well, they scored two runs in the ninth inning thing. That's a little bit too convenient for me, but uh, it certainly would have been nice if it, they were down by uh, down one or down two instead of down three. Yeah. I think that just comes back to some of the bullpen management issues they've been having. It's just like, they're just trying to limit those, the usage of those guys when you just have, when, when you have, you know, two games back to back where you had to use some high leverage guys and no, and um, no off day. Tomorrow. And, and, yeah. And it's a getaway day. So like, it's, 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 it's a little bit dicey. I, I understand it a little bit, and it's funny because Ivan has been very adamant about the Braves' issues with leaving like starters in to face orders the third time this year for the Braves, and he's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, that is that is not good. Like statistically, that's not good. I've argued with Ivan that of all the guys who are generally better later in games, it is Ian. Uh, it's just that Ian can't pitch in the first inning for some reason. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Forever, uh, yeah, it's 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 a bizarre thing too. Like it's just like you know, every first inning, like he gives up a run or two, and then he just kind of settles in and ends up being fine. And he he was he, he was perfectly he was not the reason the Braves lost this game. You know what I mean? Uh, one run scored because Marcelo Zuna was in left field, and if any other left fielder was out there, they could not have run on him. Uh, and in another one, Travis Demerit lost track of the outs <laughs> over there in right field and just let a guy tag tag up and score. That that was just sloppy that's just all it was it was sloppy and a guy with a noodle for an arm that's why they lost <laughs> um, you know, it's, oh the it, noodle yeah he it's really bad I, I i tried so hard like look he's really not that bad and then some of the throws he's made no, him, he, like, he can't throw he just can't yeah i mean like uh, i can throw more behind it's not good um speaking about the bullpen real quick we, we got a question that i thought was interesting from neil which i sort of referred to earlier but his question was uh, he wanted to hear our takes on the podcast about the bullpen because of the fact that they have to trim some someone on the pitching staff in the next week or so um, to, to go back from 14 down to 13. And obviously there could be some injuries, could be other things. Um, he said Thornburg to him as a candidate, um, maybe O'Day and Chavez. Um, also, you know, I think Jackson Stevens is definitely safe. He's been awesome. So I think he's not going anywhere. Um, but I, I think probably if they had to just choose a reliever to go away from, it would either be Thornburg, O'Day, or Chavez. The other option would be to just make Strider a starter and then take away Davidson, and they, now, you're, now you're down to 13. Um, do you have thoughts on this? I think what we would probably do collectively is just go to Strider. But if they had to get rid of a reliever, who would you choose to uh, part ways with if they had to? Uh, I mean, the move I would make is Strider to the rotation. I'll just go ahead and yes. get that out of the way. But, um, like – I'm not a fan of either of any of those three relievers. Uh, I understand what the position the Braves are in. I would probably, there's been so many case times where running the, the, if you looked at the stat line of Tyler Thornburg, that it would make a ton of sense to put him in a position, put him in a situation to throw. And they didn't. Right. And yeah. I'm like, what, 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 like he, he's thrown a little bit. But he's not, he's not a guy they go to very often. It makes me wonder a little bit about how much trust they have they, in him. They kind of use him as the last guy. At least they have this year for the most part. Like, I mean, maybe you could say Strider in certain spots where he's pitched in low-leverage situations. But recently, he's been more yeah. high-leverage. 
And Thornburg, his numbers are okay, but I'm with you. He's not, he's kind of been mop up ish at times this year, which is interesting to know yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like I'll say this of the, of in pure stuff, Darren O'Day is the guy that I would be getting rid of because he is maxing out at 85, <laughs> man. He's like, 39 yeah. years old, Eric. He's the and, and they're running he's... him up there against Jorge Soler. What do you think's going to happen? Now, like, I, will, I will say, in Darren O'Day's defense, this is a small sample size. You, do you know what Darren O'Day's expected ERA is this year? I, I, I do not. It is 2.54, sir. Uh, I've... I'm just saying... The, I'm glad that computer doesn't have eyes because that's not what no, I'm he, No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate for the most part. He does not look great. He does. But to be fair to him, even when he was good, he didn't always look great. So it was like those, uh, he's just a, he's a bit of an oddball. Um, he's always been great against righties. I'll say that now against lefties, he's not going to do much for you, but uh, he is a specialist I, if, and that's not what you want in the current landscape of the three batter minimum and all that stuff. So eh, maybe, right. maybe that's part of it. I, th- I think that's part of it. And having a, a, a guy who's, you know, I hate, I hate the whole veteran thing, but like a guy who can like, you know, give advice to like the, the ever revolving door of relievers that are inevitably going to be in there. I, that, that has some value and the Braves clearly do like having him around because they brought him back a couple times. Now, if I'm getting rid of a guy, I'm getting rid of the guy that I'm not, I don't trust and I'm not putting out there very often. So it's probably gonna be Thornburg. That's just yeah. Thing. I think if, if I had to guess who they move on from, if it is not uh, just sending Tucker back to the minors, if they if they actually you know kind of move on from someone, it's probably Thornburg. Maybe if Chavez or Orday have another blow up this week, um, they're maybe more on the chopping block. But those guys are vets, and Snicker likes vets, and Chavez is their opener. If, if they seem to use an opener, it's always seems to be God, Chavez. I'm just saying Definitely. it has been multiple times last year. I, this I'm, year. I'm, not, I'm not saying that what isn't what hasn't been happening. I'm just sighing about what should be happening. And that ain't <laughs> it for me. I, I understand. Um, okay. That hopefully that answers the question. We would both uh, just kind of uh, start strider and move on from there. Um, as, before we get out of here, just some player observations as we're again at the, uh, at the quarter mark of the season. I mentioned before, but Austin Riley is in a deep funk right now. His numbers still look okay for the season. Um, but his numbers are way down. Uh, a 224, 309, 436 slash. Um, obviously, the power still looks pretty good there. But his OPS is like 450 in the last like three weeks. He's been pretty bad. Outside of the home run that I mentioned before against Burns, which was an awesome at bat, he's been pretty bad. Um, and then also, uh, Adam Duvall, our beloved Adam Duvall, uh, he is carrying the defense in the outfield, but he is not hitting at all. He has a 58 WRC plus for the season. He is slugging 291. Like with thing with Adam Duvall is we all know this, but in case people don't know this, Adam Duvall is never going to be a high average guy, but he usually supplements that with 30 homer power. And that is not happening right now. The power is not manifesting um, for Duvall. And lastly, in this trio of ugliness recently, uh, Travis Demerit, uh, as I said before, is hitless in his last 28 at bats. And he's down to a 73 WRC plus for the season. And I, I, I kid you not, Two weeks ago, it was like 150. Like, that's how bad he's been for the last two weeks or so. Great, it was a small sample size. But if you thought Demerit was suddenly going to be a standout hitter, that that is now that's sort of been derailed. Sort of been derailed. So I say all of that to preface what I said at the very beginning of this podcast. Essentially, two guys this year have been good compared to their normal baselines, and they're Ronald Acuna and Travis Arno. Obviously, you could throw in Bill Contreras. You could throw in Orlando Arcia uh, on smaller scales. For the for the for themselves, but the full timers, uh, even guys like Riley and Olson, who have been above average hitters this year, have been below their normal averages. Guys like Ozzy Albies has been below his normal average this year, despite being a, a definitely an acceptably solid player because the defense, and all that. Dansby's been fine as a hitter, but most of his value has been defense this year, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, before I give you the team numbers, Eric, uh, does this track with your eyes? Because it feels to me. Like this is definitely the case, and the numbers are painting a pretty ugly picture almost across the board right now. Well, yeah, and I think that anyone that thought that Travis Demerit was just going to be like the savior in the outfield, just it's kind of like the Charlie Brown with the football thing. Well, right? listen, <laughs> those two weeks really helped. I will say that those two no, weeks of production. No, it it was remark. It was remarkable that they got what they got out of him. Yes, um, and you know, but this is kind of just who he is. He's a guy. Who, He's always struck out a lot. He's always disappeared for large stretches of the season. When he's good, he's good. 
and he's made some really good defensive plays. Now, he cost the Braves a run defensively today, but that was, you know, mental lapses happen. It's whatever. And I don't think that all these things are, they're, they're not equal, right? Like, I don't think that Demerit, he just was never particularly good. They just got a chunk out of him, and then he was just going to never be a long-term solution. In Austin Riley's case, I actually think he will be fine uh, because he's just a guy that when he does go in funks, he often makes adjustments and then he figures it out. More importantly, he just had a kid and, you know, lost his arbitration hearing, which I think is a bit of an overblown thing. But at the same time, like there's a lot of personal turmoil with the guy right now and he's probably not sleeping a whole lot. So I'm not like going to kill him for, you know, not being particularly great. Uh, And then Adam Duvall, he has looked absolutely lost. Like I've almost wondered if he has vision issues. Well, and the only thing is with Duvall is like, Number one, he has always been streaky. So, and they know that, and they are probably waiting for him to get hot. But, you know, last year he, he had 38 home runs last season, Eric. 38 home runs. Yep. The, the 68, he has two home runs in a quarter of a season, like two. Yep. yep. You know, and, and Matt Olson's not there. No, it's one thing that you mentioned about Matt Olson, and it's kind of a weird thing. I actually looked up his splits for the month of May for his career, and like, this is just who he is in May. Oh really? I did, I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, he did. He does. He did, he like he hits. He's like historically he's hit more home runs, but like the month's not done yet, so it's kind of hard to compare that. But like he hits like two hundred every May. <laughs> That's interesting. No, I mean his and listen, Matt Olson. And he's been and he's been okay. Like he's still as, yeah, I was gonna say as much as he's gonna. I mean, I know there are the the Freeman zealots that are piling on Matt Olson. Like his numbers look totally fine. Like he's not been bad uh he's just been bad for him like his ops is like 790 or something he also like he's had been like, fine but I mean, he also had those three games recently where he forgot how to catch a ball well, yeah we talked about it last week with scott like uh, scott and i were just like uh throw your hands up in there because matt olsen is a good defensive player like i don't really worry about that i don't really care about him having one bad week uh it was bad make no mistake but uh i don't really worry about about that too much so yeah i mean long story short i don't I think the office is broken. It'd be nice if some of these guys hit. I think I'm with you on Riley where he'll he'll find it again. As much as I know I've painted as being super anti-Riley, I still think he's better than this. And I think um, I've I've long said uh, for this year, my projection, my, my projection was that he was going to be a top 10 third baseman rather than a top three third baseman. And I still stand by that. But by the way, he's better than this no matter what. So that's going to happen. Duvall, they have to keep playing him, unfortunately. Like, that's one of the things about Duvall this year is that they they have nobody else to go to. Like, his defense is so much better than what else they have. I mean, they can play Heredia, but Duvall's still better than Heredia at the plate. Or, 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 so. or they could call it Michael Harris, Brad. Oh, Lord. Which, here is, we go. What, which, is, what, which is what everyone don't do, wants don't to say, Don't say that, Eric. People are going to think you're, that you're serious about that. You can't say that. Please, please, please don't do that, everybody. <laughs> do not. He's, it, it, it is okay. Give Michael Harris time. I understand that it's frustrating. He is very good. But uh, oh, I, don't do I, it. I don't. I don't. I didn't mean to do this, but I, I have to do it just out of uh, out of necessity. Do you happen to know Christian Pache's uh, WRC plus for the season in Oakland? <laughs> it's it's it's. I don't think it's very good, Brad. It is twenty. It is twenty six. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not good. I'm still rooting for Christian to hit, but it may never happen. I'm just saying. Um, I don't know why I don't know I don't know why that thought sparked in my head. But I was looking that up today because somebody was talking about Pache on my timeline, and I went and looked it up, and uh, it was it was not good. Okay. Um, so overall, this is, this is pretty crazy as of earlier today when I pulled this, I might've been updated since then, but this is pretty close. Uh, the Braves were tied for 10th in the national league, not, not in the majors, 10th in the national league, as in like below average with a 95 WRC plus, this is an offense that was supposed to be top two or three in the league this year. They are 10th in the national league in overall weighted runs created plus, um, they are number two in home runs but they are uh, sub 300 on base as a team this year. That is not good. No, it's not. So uh, part of that I think will be explained or fixed by guys just being better. I think Ozzy will be better than this. I think Olsen will be better than this. I think Riley will be better than this. Uh, Duvall, I think, is not this bad. I don't think that's even on the table. Um, But also they do have some fundamental – questions as well that third outfielder spot is a rotating door at the moment depending on what ronnie's availability is to play, to play defense um slash ozuna dhing um I, I don't know if darno is going to do this all year long he's been good but i don't know it's, a, it's an offense that i still think is good but we are now a quarter of the way through the season and it has decidedly not been good uh wh- what is your confidence level about the office as a whole at this point 
I don't, I don't think that we're in a position now to say that they're going to be like a top two or three offense in the league. I, and that's, I honestly was with you. I thought that this was going to be one of the better. about the, the offense was the thing I was worried the least about. Agreed. And it's been, and it's been the thing that has been the worst, the starting pitching. You know, we've seen a little bit of unevenness, but I mean, like you can't really be upset with what Kyle Wright's done. You can't be upset with Max Freed. Charlie Morton's turned it around. Like the rotation's been good. The bullpen's hurt, but They've still performed well. It it has still been totally fine for the season. Like overall, just for the record, the Braves at this moment are uh, number two in fan graphs war among pitching staffs in the national league behind only the Brewers. That's the full pitching staff. Million dollars betting on that happening. So uh, yeah, number two in the league. And I I believe the, the relievers are number one in the league. How about that? And that's with Luke Jackson and Tyler Matzik being hurt. Now they're yeah. They're, by the way, okay. So they're number one. They're number one in FanGraphs WAR. They're like number three in ERA. They are number one in strikeout rate. This is the bullpen. Uh, hear, who, who is who leads the team in reliever WAR? Oh God, I have to look it up now. Um, if it's on FanGraphs, you can just click on the team name and it'll give it to you. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's right there. Uh, it's uh, a tie between Mr. Minter and Mr. Jansen. How far Strider down? Uh, he is third. Okay. So, t- okay. so behind all we mentor and Jansen. So, uh, and his, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Okay. This is, this is why the bullpen's been so good. Uh, basically they have had six guys that have been extremely good in the bullpen so far. If you count Strider, uh, mentor as discussed multiple times has been awesome this year. Jansen has been awesome this year. Strider has been awesome this year. Uh, Jesse Chavez coming into today had a 1.04 ERA. <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. At least on this uh, with the Braves. So, um, and then Colin McHugh has great peripherals, which is part of this. His, his ERA is like four, but his, his peripherals are incredible. So uh, all that's, uh, and then, and then uh, Jackson Stevens as well has obviously been great this year. So yeah, the bullpen, even with Will Smith kind of not pitching very well uh, and Matzik, and uh, even some Sean Newcomb sprinkled in there from early in the season uh, has been awesome. So yeah, to your point, we would have lost money on the offense being the worst part of the team through a quarter of the season. And that has been, um, they very clearly have been. Well, yes, I think uh, I would say defense has been the worst part of the team. And then you would say, yeah, I said, you'd say, then, but certainly the position. Yeah, yeah players, no, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Position, position players are probably the answer. Uh, but even then the defense because of Dansby looks okay. in some of these metrics on the whole. Uh, it, it doesn't look good, but it's like middle of the pack in defense because basically only because of Dansby and, and Ozzy, essentially. <laughs> Everybody yeah, else is yeah, don't, don't, don't look don't look at those corner outfield spots. Don't, no, don't, corner don't corner outfield's not been good. Uh, by the way, Austin Riley's third, defensive third, numbers are hideous. Yeah, really, but really bad. Um, yeah. yeah, corner outfield and Riley and even Olsen has not been good, obviously, either. So anyway, long story short, they got to hit better. We kind of all know this, but um, for me, there is reason to believe, but I kind of want... What, what, what you said just sticks out to me in that you're banking on them not being that a top three team. I think when you dig this kind of hole, that that does kind of mean it's a lot harder to be that for the full season. It would not stun me if they were a top three office from this point forward, but a quarter of the season still counts on your resume. And that means you got a lot Absolutely. of work to do. Like, cause like, look, the Dodgers, unsurprisingly are number one in almost every category on offense. They're awesome. They're loaded. That's not going to change. Um, do the Braves have a better offense than the Mets? I kind of think they do. They haven't this year so far by any stretch of the imagination, but I kind of think I'd take the Braves even now, long-term. Um, the yeah, Marlins right. have a better have better numbers than the Braves do offensively. I'd definitely buy the Braves offense over the Marlins for the season. Uh, I don't know. The, the Phillies are powerful, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm going Bryce Harper's health depends is, is a very, yeah, he's D, he's play. DH only now because of the elbow. So that's a little bit of a weird thing. Anyway, long story. I, I just think the, they got to hit better. We all know this. Uh, I think if you look at the projections before we get out of here, um, they're not super kind to the Braves now. Uh, and I get it. Like, look, if you bank one fourth of the season and you're a sub 500 team, um, your projections, in fact, they're still kind of treating them like a decent bet to make the playoffs, like 55, 60%. That sounds right to me. If only because the Mets are not trustworthy, but uh, they are definitely in worse position now, which we, I think we've said that like four, like four podcasts in a row, but it, it's truly the case. Now on the bright side, 
uh, and you'll know this, Eric, because you're a diehard like everyone else that listens to the podcast. The schedule is pretty favorable now for a while. Uh, that that yep. begins this week. They play Philly and Miami at home uh, this week for seven games. Then they go to Arizona, bad team. They go to Colorado, bad team. They go to they they are home for Oakland, bad team. Home for Pittsburgh, bad team. At Washington, uh, not very good. Uh, at the Cubs, and then that takes you all the way to like mid to late June. So basically, the next four weeks, they don't play a good team for four weeks. That uh, is a good time to get your schedule right because after that, they have some more challenges. They play the Giants and Dodgers in a seven-game stretch. So until then, the schedule is very favorable for you. Of course, this is baseball. Anything can happen. But it would be very, very advisable for the Braves to go out and go something like 18 and 10, their next 28 games, something like that. Yeah, if they're not over 500 after that stretch against a bunch of below 500 teams and a lot of them are actively bad, Actively I mean, I, I, I have to, I have to just panic is, I mean, is a kind of a weird word to use, but you have very r- real reason to be concerned that the Braves coming off a world series title wouldn't make the playoffs. I'll say that much because if you can't beat the bad teams, no, that's you're right. It doesn't <laughs> the, the, the best, know, and, the best team they play in the next month is the Phillies and the Phillies are not any great shakes, but that's the best team on paper that they play in the next month. And that's this series that begins on Monday and it's at home. It's four games in your own park. Like that'd be a good time that like, don't go out and lose a series at home to the Phillies. Um, because from there, I mean, you could, maybe you could argue the, the Marlins are as good as the Phillies. If you want to, that's fine with me. If you want to argue that, or if you want to argue on behalf of somebody else, but like objectively, we know Arizona, Colorado, Oakland, Pittsburgh, and that's four series in a row. Those are all like capital B bad teams. You you gotta you gotta win some games in that stretch. Yeah, there yeah there are some really bad ones in there. You can't you can't lose two out of three to the Pirates. The if Pirates you're, you're, have you're, a negative eighty eight run differential in forty games. That is real that is incredibly bad. I can't express to you how bad that is. They were losing by more than two runs per game. That is impossibly bad. It's just occurring to me now, like man, that's terrible. The, 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 the oh. no hitter the no hitter loss is still you know. Yeah. The Pirates have allowed 221 runs in four game and 40 games. Oh man. Okay. Anyway, that's a rabbit hole we, we can avoid for now. But long again, four four weeks, almost basically um, almost exactly a month from today, they do not play a good team again until they play the, the Giants on June 20th. So win some games. Yep. <laughs> Get it together. Yeah. Get it together. Win some baseball games. Uh, anything else you have to add, Eric? on the podcast before we get out of here because we've gone long as we always do no nothing in particular you know we're trying to figure out exactly how we're going to be doing our draft coverage i keep forgetting that the draft day keeps getting has moved into the middle of july but we're going to be cranking that up soon uh apologies in advance there will not be a road to atlanta this week i it's the end of the year and i have school year and i have kids and my wife's a teacher it's just kind of i was trying to figure out the schedule why it's just not going to happen so i apologize to listeners uh but i promise we'll get caught, caught back up the week after so, unfortunately, no road to Atlanta this week. But beyond that, you know, that's pretty much all I've got. Just keep making sure you come to the site. Yeah. Also, programming note on uh, on the show. In addition to what I'm about to say, you should be subscribing to this podcast uh, and this podcast network on the whole, which includes Road Atlanta, as Eric just talked about. That's the minor league focused show. We have the Daily Hammer, hosted by primarily by Sean Coleman, who's doing, who's doing a great job. Like five times a week, Sean is just carrying the massive load for us, breaking down the games as they happen and the news and all that stuff. Thanks to Sean. And uh, also, we have a YouTube show uh, with Grant and Corey. They do a great job on the YouTube side of things. I say all that. Programming note, I am out of pocket next weekend, so we're going to have a show, it looks like, somewhere along the way with Eric or Scott or both or something, some combination, but uh, keep that in mind. I will, I will not be out of, on, on the show week, a week from now. I have to travel with my brother for his uh, pre-wedding festivities, so I'll be out of pocket. Eric knows this. Yeah. I'm not asking the podcast right now, but uh, it, it will not be me that you hear next uh, on the next show, most likely, on the next uh, flagship podcast, but regardless... The best way to find the podcast always to subscribe because that way you get all of it in one place automatically delivered to you. Battery Power Podcast, Road to Atlanta Podcast, Daily Hammer, anything special episode-wise that Escanation wants to deliver to you. All that is there and uh, definitely want to encourage you to do that. Also leave five-star reviews and ratings and all that fun stuff. Uh, Follow Eric on Twitter. Eric, is uh, your Twitter handle unchanged? I believe it is. It is unchanged at Leprechaun with a K. And who knows, maybe next weekend Scott and I will make the horrible decision again to actually like 
record a podcast while a game's during the game. Yeah, please. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. You always know when I am not here, when the, when the, uh, the inmates start running the, the the asylum on a Sunday and they just start recording like the seventh inning of the baseball game, just losing their minds. Scott Coleman, main host. Top oh, of the Lord. sixth. Here we go. Uh, by the way, that's supposed to be a good game. Uh, Sunday, uh, which I assume will be the day you guys probably record, is uh, scheduled to be Max Freed a- against uh, Pablo Lopez, and that's a good matchup. And it's a 135 game in Atlanta. A lot, a lot of eyeballs in that one, I would imagine. So that'll be fun. Anyway. There you go. Subscribe it's to happening. the podcast. Please go we'll ahead and do, do that. Yeah, we'll just do a three-hour episode. Just do the whole just thing. Just do a live show of the game. Just don't get us don't get us uh, uh, banned or arrested by like playing live audio. Don't do that. You could you could live talk about the game. That's fine. <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. There's a lot of reasons why the broadcast isn't going to be featured. The broadcast audio is not going to be featured. <laughs> and that's enough of this podcast for today. Eric, thank you for listening. Everybody, on it. Eric, thank you for being here on the show one more time. Follow the site. Follow us if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.